Get ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 56 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. If you are a Canadian listener, happy Thanksgiving. As I speak, it is uh, the Monday of the Thanksgiving long weekend. So happy Thanksgiving if you uh, celebrate today. And if not, then, you know, I mean, happy Thanksgiving in November for our American listeners and happy Thanksgiving if you have a Thanksgiving otherwise I'm not aware if other countries do but regardless um, if you are a returning listener of course welcome back as well but if you're not allow me to introduce myself I'm your host Sir Dr. JM that's at Sir DRJM on all socials so why not give me a follow especially on Twitter reach out to me there interact with me uh, I'd love to interact with you. Questions, comments, concerns, topics, suggestions for the show, anything like that, I am happy to engage. Uh, you can either tweet at me or just DM me on Twitter. That's the best way to get a hold of me. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. Now, of course, I would be silly not to shout out Ready, Set, Pwn's podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant. If you stuck around until the end of episode 55, you'll of course remember that uh, I'm now going to be a regular on the uh, Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. So I'll be joining them for uh, all future episodes. So go ahead and check them out as well. And of course, if uh, you leave a review and things like that, then tell them Sir Dr. J.M. Sencha. Now, we have a couple news stories to talk about today, uh, more than last week for sure, um, and then we will, of course, dive into the latest uh, moves, trades, re-signings, retirements, etc. in the Overwatch League. So, without further ado, let's dive on in. Prepare for combat. All right, we're going to kick things off here. Uh, actually, not in sequence, and this, in fact, will spoil a little bit of what we'll talk about towards the end of the show. However, I wanted to bring up this article because it does shed some light and provide some insight into some of what we will talk about uh, towards the end of the show in terms of the Overwatch League moves and trades and things like that. So this is an article from .esports.com posted today, October 11th, by Liz Richardson, which reads, Biggest Reveals from the Overwatch League 2022 Contract Status Update. Overwatch League teams often like to keep their contract details private, waiting to announce changes once the sorry, once the fancy graphics and teary goodbye posts are in order. Every year, though, the league itself puts a damper on these plans by releasing a player contract status update that includes off-season information for every player in the league. The update lets fans knows it lets fans knows lets fans know if their favorite player will be retained by teams or sent into the off-season madness that is free agency. Retained players will either have existing contracts or new contracts heading into 2022. Teams can also use what's called a, quote, team option to retain a player for an additional season before they head into free agency. Free agents or players who can hear offers and take negotiations from any team in the league are categorized in two ways. If a team decided to not extend a contract or use their team option, the update will say 2022 option declined. If a player's contract simply expired, that will also be st stated on the update. It's a massive list, so if you're looking for the biggest takeaways from this year's post, we've got you covered. Big stars are heading into free agency. Most of the free agent reveals in the post shouldn't come as much of a surprise. Players often say they're actively searching for a new home far before teams officially announce anything. 
This year's contract status update, however, answered a few burning questions about the league's most popular players. Matthew Super Delisi, main tank for the San Francisco Shock and unofficial face of the Overwatch League, is now a free agent after his contract with the team expired. His tank partner Choi Oban had his 2022 option declined by the Shock, adding to the two-time champion championship team's bloodbath of an offseason. Another one of the Overwatch League's most popular players, Space, of the Los Angeles Gladiators, is also apparently set for free agency after his contract expired. He clarified on Twitter that the Gladiators, quote, want to keep him, but he liked to look at his options during the off-season. Los Angeles Valiant is cleaning house. Just kidding, this one isn't a shocker. Considering the team went winless this season after a scandal-filled 2021, a full rebuild was pretty much guaranteed. The team's social media has been silent, however, so this is the first confirmation we've had of any releases. Piggy is the lone remaining Houston outlaw. Houston has only officially released two players, main support Juby and main tank Jongu, but the league's contract status update revealed that nearly the entire team is exploring free agency. Only off-tank Piggy has had his contract renewed by the Outlaws, meaning team staples like Dante Cruz and player coach Jake Lyon are on the market. Soul Dynasty believes in profits. Aside from formally dropping four players and a head coach, the Dynasty has been quiet about the status of some of its most popular veterans. According to the status update, Main Tank Jester is now a free agent after his contract expired. Jester has been perpetually attached to DPS Profit since their time on the London Spitfire, but that's apparently not the case this year. Profit and his DPS partner Fitz have new contracts with the Seoul Dynasty, according to the update. The Dynasty is obviously betting on the Profit's duo to do well in 2022. Flex Support Creative is also signed for next year. Chengdu Hunter's Washington Justice hit repeat. Many Overwatch League teams are demolishing their rosters and hoping to build anew next season. Other teams, according to the update, are sticking with what they know will work. We already knew that the Shanghai Dragons and Dallas Fuel, after wildly successful 2021 seasons, would stick with most of their rosters. Other teams are apparently joining them, though. The Washington Justice and Hangzhou Spark will be keeping five players heading into next year, and the Chengdu Hunters have extended or kept the contracts of a whopping nine players. Trades and retirements could still happen, but it's obvious that these teams are trying to build around a core they think is solid. The Overwatch League's fifth season begins in April 2022 on an early build of Overwatch 2. So I wanted to bring up that article because it gives kind of a nice overview, a nice uh, little peek at a lot of what's going on in the league right now. Um, sort of summarizes things in a lot of ways. Um, you know, her uh, Liz's first kind of section there talking about big stars heading into free agency and then looking at some of the uh, specific teams uh, that aren't necessarily the biggest teams, but we do know a significant amount about. Um, in particular, though, I really do... Uh, I really did like how she started it off there with kind of the big stars are heading into free agency because I mean, if we look at all the all the uh, announcements, free agents, free agency announcements and things like that that have already happened, there are a lot of big names that are you know shopping the market kind of thing. And honestly, why shouldn't they after uh, you know after this season proved that uh, the shock are not the end all be all and you know certain teams that everyone thought might make it to the final uh, didn't wind up finishing that high or making it that far. Um, also, I mean, if you look at other teams that I think performed well, but then just couldn't finish, uh, it kind of seems like the league is in the mood for a bit of a shakeup. Now, that wasn't the news. Uh, that was just an article that I wanted to bring up before we get to the end of the show where we talk about all the signings and things that are going on. So without further ado, let's move on to the news with an article from Dexerto 
uh, written by Bill Cooney on October 9th, which reads, New Overwatch 2 gameplay reveals revamped Havana and Dorado maps. Blizzard has uploaded several new videos of their recent Overwatch 2 playtest with OWL Pros in Hawaii, and it's our first look at Daytime Dorado and Nighttime Havana in the upcoming game. By this point, we know Overwatch 2 will be getting a number of new maps. New York, Rome, Toronto, and more. But on Saturday, October 9th, Overwatch uploaded new videos of Havana and Dorado in the sequel, and both maps seem to be getting a major makeover. Dorado has been a classic and beloved Overwatch map since the game came out, and Havana has become fairly popular as well after releasing in May of 2019. In the sequel, though, it seems the devs have pulled the old switcheroo with them. As you can see in the two videos embedded in this story, Havana is now played at night while Dorado is finally shown in all its glory in the daylight. Starting with Havana, we actually didn't get to see too much past the second stage during the playtest as the first attacking team was only able to advance partway through the first section. But this little preview shows just how good the Cuban city looks under the stars. Buildings are lit up, streetlights bathe the path of the payload in their warm glow, and it honestly almost seems like a brand new map despite just being just the lighting being different that we can see now, at least. Well, that was a bit of a run-on. Moving on to fan favorite Dorado, in contrast to Havana, the Mexican map is now on full display in the daylight. For years, players have wondered what the map would look like in the light, especially after the release of the Castillo Deathmatch map, and now we finally get to see it in all of its glory. Daytime Dorado looks amazing, the colors of the buildings pop so much more than on the classic night map, and the new lighting adds a whole other dimension to the stage. Just watching the preview feels like meeting an old friend for the very first time after an impressive glow-up. New hero abilities and maps are all well and good, and are definitely the main draw of Overwatch 2, but revamping the old content is a real treat for veteran players. As the sequel's release date hopefully draws closer and closer, we can't wait to see what other changes Blizzard's making to the maps we know and love already. So this was a bit of a, a bit of a suspected one, a bit of an unsuspected one, I don't know, depending on where you stand. Um, if you kept your eye on the, uh, I can't remember if it was the Overwatch League or the um, Overwatch Twitter account altogether, but uh, one of them was kind of hinting at the fact that they might be releasing these videos soon. And as well, if you caught Plat Chat, Plat Chat this past week, um, Sideshow and Reinforce uh, had space and super on and they talked a little bit about the playtest and everything and uh, I believe it was super actually alluded to the fact well he in fact he did straight out say that um, that the uh, they played more maps than were showed on um, the sorry I'm, I don't know why my brain is suddenly dying on me uh, they played more maps than they showed in the grand final so they assumed the league would be releasing that footage and then of course there were tweets of eyes and things like that and here we are we now have two more maps map videos being released now i have to admit that i haven't actually taken a look at these videos um simple simple fact of the matter is it was thanksgiving weekend and so naturally i was uh traveling uh going back home for thanksgiving festivities with the family and everything just having a quick sip of water there pardon me so anyways um i have not had a chance to check these out just yet however i did uh just pop the video on well i've been reading this article and just kind of taking a look now at things they do of course the classic flyover of the map um 
before the start of the match, before the uh, players are released from spawn to go set up for their defense. And uh, obviously there's that one minute countdown before the match actually starts. So I'm just kind of jumping around in the video just to see. And yeah, I mean, it does look like Havana. It does look uh, look pretty nice. Um, I definitely like the ability and, and sort of the options of changing the map daytimes like this. Uh, that, that always to me seemed like kind of an easy win for a lot of games to do is when they uh when they have multiplayer side to their game uh just release a you know daytime nighttime version of of pretty much any map um i mean obviously i'm sure there's more to it than i expect uh you know adjusting the lighting and everything like that is probably actually a significant undertaking uh but it does look like they did a really great job they do have uh as they mentioned in the article there a lot of the um a lot of the buildings lit up and things like that and it does look very pretty and then of course if i slap on the other video kick it over to 1.5 speed playback and we can see dorado during the day i'm just going to jump ahead a little bit it actually looks uh i mean yes it looks quite similar again but it looks uh i don't know it looks more open just given the the day the daylight and everything um and I quite like that. So anyways, I digress. Uh, we're starved for Overwatch 2 content. So this is what we get. And this is what we'll uh, what we'll have to analyze to death now. So there you have it. Go take a look at the videos. Um, you can find them on the Overwatch League or Overwatch uh, website. Um, exciting stuff there. And always fun to see what's going on with uh, development. Moving on to our next story. We're going to go back to DottieSports.com, this time with an, S an article from Jessica Sharnagel on October 10th, which reads, Overwatch's Halloween Terror 2021 begins October 12th. Hope you like clowns, she says. It's spooky season, and players in Overwatch are more than ready for some new spooky-themed items with Overwatch's Halloween Terror event, which begins on October 12th this year. The event will run from October 12th until November 2nd and feature the returning game mode Junkenstein's Revenge, which pits four players against an oncoming slew of zombie robots. The objective is to protect the doors to the castle and stop the Zomnix, zombie Omnix from entering the castle. Players love the Halloween event because the skins are usually some of the best all year. This year, Overwatch teased a Roadhog skin, which was inspired by the character Pennywise in Stephen King's horror novel It. A red balloon with a pig floats on it, uh, no, with a pig on it, floats up on the screen until it's popped by a horrifying-looking roadhog who is wearing a mask and has a big painting of a clown on his belly with the word smile. More skins for the event are expected to be revealed in the days leading up to the release. During the event, there are weekly challenges that players can compete in order to earn three of the Halloween skins. The skins that are awarded for completing those challenges, along with all of the new skins, emotes, voice lines, and sprays, will be revealed closer to the release date. So if I'm being real here, I suspect the rest of the skins and the actual challenge itself, those uh, that whatever 369 wins, or however they do it now, um, I forget the star system that they use on these events, um, we'll, we'll have the awards and, and milestones for that announced soon. However, we have seen a few of the other skins come up already, which leads us to our next article from Scott Robertson, still on DottieSports.com and posted today, October 11th, which reads Vampire Hunter Brigitte skin revealed for Overwatch Halloween Terror 2021. The Overwatch Halloween Terror 2021 event is more frightening than the Overwatch League's offseason, but the frightful event is also delivering some delightful Halloween-themed sk skins. 
the Draugr Reinhardt and Vampire Bat Echo Cosmetics will be joined by a new Halloween-themed Brigitte skin that looks like a crossover between a vampire hunter and a death knight from the world of Warcraft. Brigitte's shining bright colors have been replaced with a much darker overall outfit that the likes of Van Helsing would sport, featuring an aged wooden shield. Now let's just pop over to the tweet here. We can take a quick peek at it. Yes, it looks awesome. I will definitely say that. Uh, we got lots of skulls in there. Skulls are awesome. We've got a nice pale-looking Brigitte with, with, with pale white hair. Um, you know, a, a sick-looking shield and an awesome-looking... Um, uh, I don't even know what you call her 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 weapon a flail I guess um, awesome looking flail with some orange green glow to it uh, kind of like a green glowing lantern on the end looks awesome back to the article the new Brigitte skin crushes Reaper in terms of skull quality alone with skulls adorning her shoulder pads knee pads flail shield and backpack that carries her rally flag. She's sporting a paler complexion and a new ghostly white hairstyle as well. The rally flag is neon toxic green instead of bright heroic yellow. Brigitte's terrifying and intimidating new look will become available from October 12th to November 2nd as part of the Halloween Terror event. Similar to previous holiday-themed events, Overwatch players will be able to unlock the new skins as part of a series of weekly challenges. So, um, obviously... Uh, I actually described the skin a little bit there, um, not knowing that in the article, uh, I believe the yeah Scott was literally about to talk about everything, pretty much everything I pointed out. But I digress. Um, I like it a lot. Uh, I definitely think it's it's one of the cooler Brigitte skins. However, I still am a huge fan of her goat skin. Uh, I definitely think that's one of her best skins, if not her absolute best. Um, but anyways, that article, of course gives us a, a look at a couple of the other skins or mentions a couple of the other ones that I didn't talk about. Um, of course, we already had the Draugr Reinhardt skin announced earlier. Um, and if I pop on a little video of that, it is awesome looking. Um, yeah, they're just, they're like, oh man, this is one of the best ones. That's for sure. Reinhardt always gets some really wicked skins. And this one is totally sick, inspired, of course, by Norse mythology. Uh, the Draugr are sort of an undead style of being. Um, if you've played the God of War franchise, the uh, 2018 remake, you'll, of course, be familiar with Draugr as that is one of the main sort of peon enemies that you dispose of. Uh, but this skin just looks totally awesome. Reinhardt looks kind of dead in it. He's got this Viking skin. He's got sort of a ram helm. Uh, uh, sorry, skull on his front chest. He's got a little shield with some arrows sticking out of it on his one hand, um, plus sort of an icy blue glowing axe, I believe. I think it's an axe um, that he's wailing around and everything. Just totally awesome. I, I'm definitely digging this skin, and I'll, I'll purchase it if uh, if I don't get rewarded it from playtime and stuff too. And then, of course, they also mentioned the Vampire Bat Echo skin, which... Uh, is a cool one. Um, ooh, my voice cracked a little bit there. Uh, it's definitely a cool one. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of it. I don't know what it is. Um, I mean, it's still Echo. It's very robotic, but then it's got these these big sort of bat-looking wings, which are also cool, but they're still kind of robotic. And then her head, in my mind, just looks kind of dumb because it's got these big fake bat ears, but again, they're still so robotic. But then the whole outfit as well has uh, these sort of sort of tubes running through it that appear to be pumping blood through her, which I don't know what it is. I, I'm not a I'm not a squeamish person, but uh, the 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 tube look with the blood flowing through it just kind of grosses me out. I don't know. Um, and then on her back, of course, there's a big tank of blood. Well, a, 
big tank that looks to be filled with a red liquid. So we assume it's blood because this is a vampire bat skin. Anyways, I digress. Um, not the biggest fan of that one. Uh, cool, for sure. But I don't know what it is. Echo skins, I'm just not typically crazy about. Um, so, yeah. So there you have it. That's the Halloween Terror event, of course. Uh, it begins this as of recording it's actually now the 12th i've crossed midnight so it begins today um so i suspect we'll be seeing a post from the overwatch league no not the overwatch league sorry from overwatch announcing uh the rest of the rewards for this uh skin and everything uh, this skin for this event um as well as a little bit about the limited game modes that will be running um, and the challenge modes and things like that. However, look forward to that, even if it's going to be very similar to the stuff we've seen this past, uh, the in the last couple uh, Halloween Terror events. But I digress. People tend to like the Halloween Terror event. Uh, I am one of them. So I'll hop, hopefully hop in there and get myself some new cosmetics. Moving on from there, we are going to head over to Dexerto.com with an article by Adam Finch posted on October 11th, which reads, Company behind Excel, LCO, and Spitfire going public on London Stock Exchange. Gu I hope I pronounced this right. If I do not, then I apologize. Guinevere Capital, an investment company behind several major esports properties, are set to list themselves publicly on the London Stock Exchange, allowing members of the public to buy shares. Guinevere Capital are investors in British organization Excel Esports. They manage Cloud9's Overwatch League franchise London Spitfire. They work with ESL on the Oceanic League of Legends circuit LCO, and they own and operate two esports facilities. The company have now entered a proposal deal with a UK-based shell company, Highway Capital PLC, that would see them go public on the London Stock Exchange should the deal be completed. Current esports properties on the LSE include Guild Esports, which is co-owned by former footballer David Beckham and operations company Gfinity. The proposed transaction would include a round of fundraising for Guinevere, allowing them to continue to grow the portfolio of companies they back and make more investments, including an expansion into the artificial intelligence AI industry. The investment company operates in the UK, though, through Excel and Spitfire, but also have major ties in the Oceanic region. As well as being behind the LCO alongside ESL, their portfolio includes an esports facility in New Zealand's National Stadium, Eden Park, and an esports performance center in Australia's Sydney Cricket Ground. The, quote, the LSE is a major global exchange, and while we had considered United States and Canada as the locations to list, we felt we had built a strong foundation with the UK esports and gaming scene, not just through our core portfolio of assets, but also previous support of major UK esports franchises, end quote, said Guinevere CEO Dave Harris. Quote, each of our assets are at an exciting stage of growth, and the LSE offers an efficient way of raising capital to meet our goals for our current assets to, and to allow us to expand and invest in new organizations and verticals, end quote. So, of course, an exciting announcement there. Um, actually interesting that they mentioned the Toronto Stock Exchange and the uh, New York Stock Exchange. Of course, not quite by name, but mentioning the U U.S. market and Canada market. Um really does seem like a, a bit of a no-brainer for them to list on the London Stock Exchange, which I'll be honest, I didn't know was a thing until reading this article. Um, but I digress. Uh, I wanted to highlight this article mostly just to show the, you know, continued growth and support of uh, esports organizations. And of course, uh, you know, uh, especially in Europe where we see two teams with the London Spitfire and the uh, Paris Eternal. So that actually wraps up our news segment of the show. 
And that means we've come to the part where we move over to the Owl Tracker, 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 tracker. where we talk, of course, about uh, the latest signings, retirements, re-signings, uh, whatever uh, free agency announcements um, going on in the Overwatch League. We have, of course, passed that uh, October 10th um, deadline for the free agency, uh, whatever it is, roster construction rules. That's what I'm looking for. Um, so there's lots going on. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to get on in the year. Targets approaching. Okay, so of course we're going to head on over to .esports.com and take a peek at Liz Richardson's OWL 2021 off-season trade tracker. Um, last week, I believe, we finished off at October 3rd, at or around October 3rd. Um, I'll give it a quick read, but I won't really discuss these ones too, too much, just because I'm mostly just recapping where we left off. Um, I believe this is where we left off anyways. So October 3rd, as we discussed last week, Shanghai Dragons release. DPS develop. Guangzhou charge part ways with main tank Jihoon, DPS Michaeli, main support Mandu, and flex support Kareev. Hangzhou spark part ways with DPS Somensu, flex support Coldest, and main support Mika. Uh, oh, main supports Mika and IDK. Assistant coach U4 was also released. San Francisco Shock main tank Smurf announces free agency. Houston Outlaws main tank Dreamer announces free agency. So, moving on from there, on October 4th, so the day, October 4th, hmm, maybe I read October 4th last week. Anyways, I digress. Um, the Paris Eternal confirmed that uh, DPS Naga, main tank Don, flex support Khan, and main support Dredro will return in 2022. JMac will step into head coach role. Shanghai Dragons release assistant coach Jfeel and Dong Su. Shanghai also posts the contract statuses of its current players, confirming eight of its players will return in 2022. San Francisco Shock DPS Ons announces free agency, and Philadelphia Fusion DPS EQO announces free agency. So I don't think I had uh, the October 4th information on last week's episode. Looking back, I would have been recording the night of the 4th, but I don't think that was posted uh, on the article until the next day. So let's talk a little bit about Paris because exciting stuff for Paris. Um, if we were to take a look at what exactly is going on with them, um, as they mentioned there, Naga, Don, Khan, and Dredro coming back. Meanwhile, it was previously reported that Vestola in the tank role, Suna in the DPS, and Onigod also in the DPS had been released. So little bit interesting, a little bit not so interesting here. I think you have to kind of approach things from a standpoint of, of course, rosters are shrinking in size given the shift over to 5v5. Um, and you kind of want to look at the core that they would like to build around. So certainly Onigod had a great season um, on the DPS role. He might be one that you raise a bit of an eyebrow to uh, when it comes to releasing. However, of course, if you think about it, he was much more of a specialist. And speaking of specialists, we could also look at Suna, who, of course, I think only really came in to play Tracer, uh, primarily at least. He may have played a little bit of some other characters, maybe Sombra. Um, however, Suna is known as a Tracer specialist and certainly is very good at it. But ultimately, if your roster is shrinking and you need players on the DPS role who have maybe a bit more uh, breadth to their to their abilities or their hero pool, really, then it does kind of make sense to cut Suna and Onigod. Looking at the tank role, we have Dawn uh, being re-signed and Vestola being released. 
Um, bit of a toss up here though. Ultimately, I think uh, Don is probably probably the right call in terms of bringing him back. Um, um, it, it's tough because this is this is a classic main tank versus off tank kind of thing. Um, you know, Vestola was known for 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 playing Diva. Diva is of course an off tank, whereas Don more known on the um, the main tank role. So in some ways, this makes sense. Now, I I have also heard recently that there seems to be a lot of people who who think it actually makes more sense to be bringing your uh, your off tank back. However, Paris probably saw you know a little bit more. Who knows? I guess what intangibles we're not seeing. There there could be the attitude thing. There could be uh, performance in other ways. Um, there could, of course, be uh, shot calling and things like that that come from a main tank, not not necessarily an off tank. Who knows? Truly, 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 who knows? However, um, ultimately, good to see Paris bringing back a solid core, um, you know, despite the fact that it is, of course, at the cost of a few other players. Uh, Shanghai Dragons releasing coaches. I don't have a ton to say about that, just given I don't know too much about the coaching staff of Shanghai. And of course, uh, one thing that was really great to see, which uh, Liz's article there just barely touched on, was Shanghai Dragons over on October 4th, flat out just tweet, we know you have a lot of questions about our players and what's happening to them, so we made a quick list of everyone's contract status. Hope this eases your worries. We've achieved great success in Overwatch 1 thanks to them, but now it's time to dominate Overwatch 2. And they have this graphic that is literally a Shanghai Dragons logo at the top, and then a picture of everyone on their roster and it says next to their picture and their name exactly what the team is doing so it has void team option fate under contract fleta team option lip under contract Legion team option Izayaki under contract molly team option who are you team option and it's just like wow that was easy that was clean easy great fun to read and i now know the status of your entire team so really that was awesome, and I'd like to applaud them for that. Now, granted, they're at the top of their game, and they clearly showed that they were, you know, a whole tier break ahead of anyone else in this uh, in the Overwatch League this past season. So it makes sense that they can do that. Um, however, it is, of course, reassuring to fans that we will see the uh, championship team coming back. Moving on from there, San Francisco Shock DPS Ons announces his free agency. Um, this one, I mean tough to see but not incredibly unexpected i was really excited when san francisco had ons coming back uh because i really did think that you know we might see him him uh tearing up the field especially on some of those those super hit scan rolls um just like we did last season and you know i i don't want to say his performance was disappointing but ultimately i think just the meta and the uh the way the team worked this season and everything didn't really play into his favor and we didn't really see him pop off uh, as much as he had previously so not incredibly surprising to see him you know announcing free agency uh, a bit more of a hit scan specialist than anything but i certainly think if he wants to stay in the league and and he's willing to you know work with teams i think he could definitely find a new home and then Philadelphia and EQO announcing his uh, free agency. Another interesting one here. Um, Philly obviously been been struggling uh, throughout the years to actually finish and actually close uh, their seasons off well. So ultimately, not incredibly surprising to see Philly having some shakeups. Um, if I pull up Philly's 
current roster and transfers and things like that. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit more of them, um, but ultimately uh, not incredibly shocking to see EQO entering free agency. Moving on up to October 5th, we're going to look at the Boston Uprising first. Boston Uprising parts ways with main tank, stand one, flex support, Myung Bong, as well as DPS players, color hex, and I'm 37. Boston main tank fusions also announces his retirement. New York Excelsior parts ways with main tank Yakpong, off tank Kalios, and Bianca, main support Friday, and DPS players Feather and Guangboon. Bianca and Friday will be retiring from professional play. Philadelphia Fusion parts ways with DPS Shockwave. Washington Justice adds coach Ty Dalla, formerly of the Los Angeles Gladiators. Uh, sorry, assistant coach. I should have mentioned that before. So October 5th, uh, quite a bit of news on the Boston side of things. Let's jump over to Boston here. Boston, Boston, there you are. Um, not incredibly surprising to see some of these players released. Uh, Fusion's retiring as well. Not incredibly surprising. Um, you know, he's been with Boston for a number of seasons at this point, And obviously Boston has struggled, although this past season certainly we saw them uh, do better than we had seen them in seasons past for the most part. Um, and then, yeah, releasing I Am 37, Stan 1, Myungbong. Uh, Myungbong, I think, was kind of a shining star on their team going into this season, but ultimately I don't think he performed up to the same level that he had previously. Um, and then, honestly, Stand 1 on, on tank and I'm 37 on DPS. Um, I don't have too much to say about them. I'm, 30, I'm 37, a, a little bit hyped coming in when, when he was brought onto the team. However, I think a little bit outshined as well uh, by someone like Valentine uh, on the DPS role as well. So, moving on from there, we then took a look at the New York Excelsior, who seemed to be cleaning house. Um, main tanks uh main support and dps plus retirements uh lots of changes coming to new york obviously the only player they have on their current roster that is either unannounced or seems to be staying is flora on the dps role all the others either retired or released with obviously the the heavy majority being released um however bianca and friday uh retiring Interesting to see this because New York was pretty hyped up coming into this past season. There was a lot of talk that they were killing it in scrims and they had a ton of scrim bucks there. Um, but ultimately, with Flora being the only one re-signed to, uh, to the New York roster, a um, little, bit, little bit surprising. I think they could have kept maybe one or two others. I could have seen them keeping Feather as well on DPS. Um, and, and Kalios, I think, was a good pickup towards the end of the season. That definitely helped on their tank line. But ultimately, um, it's really just hard to say what they what they truly could have done around that roster had they kept more. So I think they're probably making the right call. Um, they did uh, something of a rebuild this past season. And I mean, obviously, now they're going to be looking at even an even larger one. Um, all I can really say is Jonak, you know, former MVP, be interesting to see where he lands uh now moving on from there this is one that i was about to mention on the previous day however uh when i was talking about eqo on the philadelphia fusion side uh shockwave being released from the philadelphia fusion a uh, little bit interesting there to me 
Um, I think Shockwave was kind of a, a really interesting pickup for Philly, given he started with the you know Vancouver Titans of of last season that that really were depressing to watch and everything. Um, sorry, after they imploded and then they brought over a a, a piecemeal team. Um, really interesting that Shockwave was picked up by Philly, and I think there was a lot of potential there. And then Philly's season this past season obviously plagued with visa issues and everything like that. So really too bad we didn't sort of, I think, get to see Shockwave truly, you know, flex to his full extent this past season. Um, but ultimately, he's on the younger side as well, so I'm hopeful that he'll he'll find somewhere to land. Washington Justice adding Ty Dalla, formerly from the Los Angeles Gladiators. I don't have a ton to say about that. Glads, you know, seemingly they obtain some success, and then uh, you know they lose a head, they lose a coach. So, woo, good, good, probably not so good for them. But I digress. Let's move on to October sixth, where the Los Angeles Gladiators DPS Bird Ring retires. London Spitfire releases main tank Hottie, off tank Molfig, main support Kellex, flex support Ripa, DPS Hybrid, and Blase. Head coach Fisher is also let go. London confirms DPS players Shax and Sparker will be returning next year along with most of the team's management. Philadelphia Fusion main support Toby retires from professional play and will seek a career in coaching. So we're going to talk more LA Gladiators here. Of course, Bird Ring retiring uh, was one of the, I don't know if it was a huge shock, but it definitely hits, you know, hits right in the feels. If you uh, care to watch, go check out Los Angeles Gladiators uh, Twitter because you can watch the farewell video that they posted to Bird Ring. Bird Ring, definitely a big name around the scene um, and one that everyone will be will be sorely missed in the league. I've actually pulled up Liz Richardson's article here from October 6th, which reads Veteran Overwatch League DPS Bird Ring Retires, and I'm just going to quickly read it because it is a good read. After years of gaming, hundreds of clutch plays, and one championship trophy, one of the pillars of competitive Overwatch is taking his final bow in the professional scene. Birdring, DPS for the Los Angeles Gladiators, announced his retirement from the Overwatch League today. He was a critical part of the Gladiators roster, but he's also one of the most important players in Overwatch esports history. Birdring began his journey in competitive Overwatch in 2016 and was a part of Kongdu Unica, uh, which later merged into Team Kongdu Pantera. The team, along with its Cloud9 Kongdu variation, was one of the original powerhouse rosters in professional Overwatch. Many players built their names on the KDP roster, especially Birdring and Flex DPS Rascal. In 2017, Birdring was picked up by the London Spitfire as the Overwatch League began its inaugural season. The Spitfire took a while to find sure footing, but by the end of the 2018 season, their dominance was apparent. As one of the league's most impressive hitscan players, Birdring was a star on the squad. The London Spitfire won the inaugural Overwatch League Championship, and Birdring solidified his status as one of the most dangerous DPS players in the scene. After a rough sophomore year, Birdring transferred to the Los Angeles Gladiators in late 2019. Through numerous meta changes and roster switches, Birdring remained one of the most consistent parts of the Gladiators roster. The team's 2021 iteration recently won the Countdown Cup tournament and made significant strides in the postseason. Quote, I've kept moving forward these past few years, but I've decided to slow down and rest, end quote. Birdring said in a post about his retirement, quote, I wanted to say my goodbyes to all of you, to you all for the last time as the Overwatch one professional gamer Birdring, end quote. While he doesn't completely dismiss the idea of competing again in the future, Birdring stated in his post that he's looking forward to streaming and getting some rest. So anyways, um, that one, you know, like I say, I don't know if it was a super big shock given Birdring's history and his length in the league, but 
definitely hits you right in the feels, um, you know, knowing the context around him and, and what a, what a star and what a, uh, sort of mainstay of Overwatch he has been. Um, but realistically on October 6th, the bigger news there, uh, well, maybe in size only, but is all of the moves with London. So London going kind of crazy and mostly cleaning house, releasing, uh, all but Sparker and Shaxx. Um, so obviously they're, they're somewhat satisfied with their DPS core. They did have a number of DPS players with Sparker, Shax, Blase, and Hybrid. Um, so again, you know, smaller rosters and everything makes sense. They would cut that number in half. Um, however, tanks and supports, a little bit surprising to see those changes that they're making, especially on the tank side. I think most people had thought they would be keeping one of those tanks. Um, I'm a little bit surprised by the changes London's make, made given, uh, some of the comments that Nuki had made before, which I may have talked about on my last episode, but Nuki, uh, who I believe is their GM, um, I'm just taking a quick look here. Oh yeah, head coach Fisher is also let go. So I think Nuki is their GM, and she had talked before, I think to Yiska um, from GG Recon, about the fact that they knew they weren't necessarily going to be competing for the top spot, in uh in the 2021 season and they were coming in with the idea of setting a foundation and building on it um especially given the context of them bringing up almost their entire um uh, contenders roster into the overwatch league in the london spitfire uh the british hurricane is their contenders roster name sorry i blanked on it for a second there um so anyways just interesting that they had made those comments in the past and then now that we're here they're only bringing back two players Obviously, uh, they weren't necessarily super impressed with a lot of these other players, but at the same time, I do wonder how much of that is caused by the shift to Overwatch 2 and 5v5, of course. But I digress. Uh, final announcement there uh, on October 6th was the Philadelphia Fusion's Toby retiring. Um, this one I was actually hoping for an article on to sort of contextualize Toby because Toby, I think, is is another one of the uh, sort of classic sort of big names in Overwatch. Um, so I'm sad to see him go personally. Uh, I definitely didn't see the same reverence as you see around Birdring, um, but Toby is certainly one of, a, one of the top-notch uh, main support players out there. Moving on from there, we go to October 7th, Thursday, October 7th, where the Chengdu Hunters part ways with Tank Late Young. I don't have a ton to say about that because I didn't follow Chengdu this past season and uh, because I don't know Late Young very much at all. Uh, but obviously, I should mention, as we normally do on, on all of these, uh, we wish everyone retiring uh, well. And of course, uh, for anyone entering free agency and things like that, we cross our fingers that they'll find a place to, uh, to call home. So moving on from there, October 8th, New York Excelsior Flex Support Jonak parts ways with the team. Philadelphia Fusion DPS Rascal retires from Overwatch. From professional overrush sorry will pursue a coaching career and san francisco shock release assistant coach by zenith now looking at these ones jonak as i mentioned there huge 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 name um mvp of the 2018 season and of course i've actually pulled up liz richardson's article about jonak here so i'll give it a quick read october 8th she wrote jonak parts ways with nyxl before 2022 overwatch league season Few Overwatch League players are as synonymous with the teams with their teams as Jonak is with the New York Excelsior. For the 2022 season, however, all that will change. The NYXL announced today that the 2018 Overwatch League MVP is parting ways with the team for its for the fifth season of the league, which begins in April of 2022. For four seasons in a row, Jonak held a starting position as the Excelsior's flex support. 
He's one of the only players in the Overwatch League to be a part of a team and remain active on that team since the league's inception in 2018. By the end of the inaugural season, Jonak's immaculate Zenyatta play made him a clear MVP candidate. He won the first season's MVP trophy and earned his own in-game skin, Zennakji, which remains a perpetual favorite of fans and flex support enthusiasts to this day. The Newark XL underwent a major roster reconstruction before the 2021 season began, dropping what remained of the former team and keeping only Jonak. A team of talented rookies and holdovers from other league organizations formed, but it wasn't quite enough to stand up to the challenges of the Eastern region in 2021. The Excelsior finished with a 7-9 record last year. Jonak has not yet received, uh, revealed his future plans or where he'll be headed in the Overwatch League. So that one, um, uh, I think the shocking part of that is that he's not retiring because he's another mainstay of the league. Um, but this all comes back to that article that I read by by uh, Liz Richardson at the beginning of the show there. Biggest reveals from the Overwatch League 2022 contract status updates. Um, it's like she said at the sort of sort of top of that article, um, big stars are heading into free agency. Um, you could almost put an asterisk on that and say big stars are heading into free agency or retiring because so far what we've seen is a lot of stories of these sort of big, big, big names, these awesome people, these super champion, super skilled players that are either retiring or their teams are no longer keeping them around, just like Jonak. So, And then, of course, we move on to the Philadelphia Fusion DPS Rascal retiring from Overwatch. Uh, so here I've got yet another article from Liz Richardson this time October 8th. She wrote, Rascal retires from professional Overwatch, will pursue career, uh, coaching career. Another one of Overwatch League's veteran stars is hanging up his peripherals before the 2022 season, but we may see him take on a new role instead. Philadelphia Fusion DPS Rascal announced today that he's parting ways with the team while ret and retiring from professional play in the Overwatch League. In a personal post on Twitter, he said he'll instead be pursuing a career in a coaching career in the next in the league next year. Holy cow, I don't know why I struggled with that. Rascal has been one of the league's most impressive flex DPS players since the inaugural season when he was a part of the London Spitfire and later the Dallas Fuel. Though he parted ways with the Fuel under difficult circumstances, he landed another role on the San Francisco Shocks Academy team in Overwatch Contenders Energy Esports. After proving himself in competition, he moved up to the proper Shock roster. He was a part of both I'm sorry. He was a part of both of San Francisco's championship years, helping the team take home the overwatch league trophy in 2019 and 2020 the team let rascal go at the end of 2020 and the philadelphia fusion picked him up to fill out its roster after visa issues decimated the fusion's european contingent rascal once again proved himself under pressure and helped the team make it to the 2021 postseason quote i've made a bold decision to take on a new challenge based on what i've achieved and quote rascal said on twitter quote i'm confident to show you many things as a coach starting next year end quote in retiring, he thanked his fans and his former teams for all their support and asked them to look forward to this next step in his career. So again, you know, I repeat, big stars heading into free agency, star or retiring. Um, very interesting one there. Uh, Rascal, I mean, when he was on the San Francisco Shock, um, there were rumors around him leaving that, you know, there was a bit of an attitude problem there. Um, and and sort of a bit of a bit of a troubling uh, I don't know behavior with the team and everything like that. So, anyways, I digress. Um, you know, another legend. Sort of sad to see him going, but all the best, and hopefully he does land on his feet in a coaching uh, career or whatever form he chooses. 
Moving on from there, lots of talks of these legends. Hey, we go to October 9th, and October 9th may just go down in history as the day the San Francisco Shock died. October 9th, San Francisco Shock drops seven members. DPS players Teo, Nero, Glister, Ons, Flex Support Twilight, Main Tank Smurf, Main Support FD God. Soul Dynasty parts ways with DPS Sabioldi, Tank Marvel, and Tuyu, and support Animo. Head coach Changun is also released. Shanghai Dragons add Pavane as coach. Boston Uprising part ways with assistant coach Askoft. So, as I mentioned there, um, October 9th, the day San Francisco said, uh, said Sayonara to almost their entire roster, realistically. Um, I certainly think that was nobody, well, most people did not see that coming. Um, you know, especially not in the way they did it. It was, it was actually really interesting and it feels a little bit like they're hinting at something in the way they, they announced some of this stuff. Um, they, they released an image of a number of these players. And if I recall, Glister was not in that image, but was named in the sort of thank you, goodbye post that they made. And then they made uh, sort of highlight real separate individual posts for many of these players. And as I understand, they also didn't post those for some of the players. So, just confusing stuff, really, really kind of strange way to go about it. Um, and, and that's why I'm kind of like, is there something else going on here? Are they, are they, are they hinting at something? Are they, are they like, I, I don't know what's it, are they inceptioning us or doing some weird, weird play to, to, I don't know, just confuse us, but maybe I'm just reading into it, but I digress. Um, interesting stuff there. Obviously a few of the players listed there, we've already talked about Ons and Twilight, um, Twilight being announced way earlier in the in the off season. I mean, like relatively, it was like a week out ahead of this. But I digress. Um, a few of those had already been mentioned because the players had tweeted out that they were you know allowed to look at options and things like that. Although there was some interesting stuff around the verbiage that they used as well, verbiage. But I don't know. Again, I think maybe that's just reading into uh, reading into things too much. But then we come to the Soul Dynasty, who part ways with. Sabiolbi. And now I'm going to read an article from Samuel O'Dwyer on DottieSports.com October 10th, which reads, Soul Dynasty parts ways with four players, head coach, head coach ahead of 2022 season. And I'm actually not going to read this whole article. I was hoping, I was hoping, hoping, hoping. Oh, darn. Okay. I was hoping this article would talk a little bit about, about Sabiolbi um, in detail. It actually doesn't. Uh, Sabiolbi, another legend around the league. I mean, this, this roster actually had a number of of sort of legends on it um i would put marvel in that in that rank too um you know maybe not legends but big names and and just players that have been around the league for a long long time um so always sad to see these people uh you know being dropped hopefully they land on their feet or you know pursue whatever they want to pursue so moving on from there shanghai i don't have too much to say because shanghai will shanghai and boston uprising of course parting ways with assistant coach Askoft. I don't have much to say about that because again, you know, I just never, I feel like I will never truly understand or have a good grasp on the, uh, the, the coaching format and coaching roles or these higher level roles within, uh, within the Overwatch League teams. So I digress. October 10th. This was technically two days ago, but really it was yesterday. Um, October 10th. We finally got news from the Vancouver Titans. And of course, of course, as was to be expected, 
Vancouver Titans drops its entire 2021 roster. DPS players Linkser, Dalton, oh, bumped the mic, sorry about that. Uh, Linkser, Dalton, and Tiru, as well as Tanks, Changsik, and Fried Wiener, or Fred Wiener, whichever you prefer, and supports Fire and Rolf. Los Angeles Gladiators re-sign Kevster. Houston Outlaws DPS Happy announces his free agency. So, as I mentioned, I don't think anyone... It's tough. I think people had convinced themselves that Vancouver might keep one or two players. Um, I personally had toyed with the idea they might keep one. But if I if I look in my heart of hearts, if I you know open my heart to darkness... I really don't think I ever thought they would be keeping anyone. Um, if they wanted a core to build around, uh, I think they were joking themselves that this could be the core. Um, and, you know, to no fault of these players, uh, mostly because of the circumstances they were brought in, um, you know, and obviously they tried their hardest. However, uh, the the organization that Vancouver seemingly was running did not truly set themselves up for success. Um, so uh, it's unfortunate that these players might be, you know, uh, sort of caught in the crossfire or uh, um, victims of that. But ultimately, hopefully they can find success somewhere else and find a new home to partay at. Uh, side note, someone should sign Fried Wiener as a uh, content creator, if you ask me. I digress. London Spitfire, or London Spitfire, sorry, Los Angeles Gladiators re-signing Kevster. Uh, that was a big announcement that I don't think anybody didn't see coming. Um, I think that Kevster is a great, 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 great pickup, um, and they would have been crazy to let him go. And then, of course, Houston Outlaws DPS, happy announcing free agency. Um, I personally, again, a little bit surprised by that one. I thought Happy was kind of the standout when it came to the Houston roster. Seems like they're leaning more into Piggy, if I recall. Um, I think Houston actually had a pretty good thing going. I think they should have maybe brought back more of their players than they seem to be. But I digress. I'm no, I'm no professional, nor coach, nor anything like that. So and that brings us to the end of our updates here, and. Uh, and the, the end of uh, our trade tracker. Now, I do also have this Reddit link here from uh, Reddit's competitive Overwatch uh, subreddit. And there's some interesting things here that are technically rumors right now. They've yet to be confirmed, but they do have this big list of rumor trackers. Um, they've all been reported by ha uh, Aaron Halo at Halo of Thoughts on Twitter, I believe is his handle. But I do want to mention that there's just a couple of these uh, from the 10th October, or no, sorry, from October 11th, so yesterday, sort of today, whatever you want to call it. Um, the first one is Super and Choi out of Shock. The second is Super looking for a new team. The third is 9K to Shock with Krusty. The next one is Kuki to NYXL. And of course, the final or most recent one is Violet resigned to Shock. So these are interesting because. Obviously, there's a focus on the shock. I, I'm going to ignore the other ones. Um, but it definitely feels a little bit like maybe the shock is not in disarray per se, but is looking to make some some big changes. And obviously, they you know already announced that they're releasing a whole ton of their roster. Um, 
but if we look at the sort of unknowns right now, we don't know about Super, we don't know about Troy, and we don't know about Violet. Um, really hard to say because those that is sort of their core, you know, from the players that left or they let go over the past season or things like that. Um, Super, Choi, and Violet really were sort of that core. Now, I would obviously put Smurf in there. I would also put Stryker in there, but we know Smurf is being released, um, and we know Stryker obviously left a while ago. So just really interesting that we don't know anything about them yet. I, I really want to know what's going on with them um, because ultimately they'd be, they'd be awesome for almost any team to have, I think. Um, there was an article that I considered inputting into the show, but I did not. Um, where apparently a uh, former professional Overwatch League player, now streamer, now wildly successful streamer, um, commented on the amount of money that Super is making from streaming um, compared to uh, XQC himself. XQC, of course, being one of, I think, the second highest paid streamer on Twitch, um, with Super coming in at like 204, the 204th highest paid or something like that. But it did definitely seem like, uh, based on the comments that were made there, um, Super could be making a, a much larger killing um, were he to move away from professional Overwatch play and focus on streaming. But I digress. I think it's pretty awesome to say you're you know, the best in the world at this two-time champion kind of thing and uh, potentially... Um, you know, play out that career and then move on to streaming. You know, streaming's not going anywhere. He could always do that in his off time, but also he could move on to that. And then he's got these awesome titles and rings and everything that he can, he can, uh, you know, show off too. So anyways, I digress. Uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Leave the area. All right. Well, thank you again for listening to uh, episode 56 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I am, of course, the host, Sir Dr. JM, the only host. Uh, that's at Sir DRJM. And you can find me over on Twitter at Sir DRJM. And you can follow me there. You can reach out to me there. You can DM me. You can tweet at me, whatever. I'd love to interact with you. So go ahead and do that. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And you can also catch me, Sir Dr. JM, over on Ready, Set, Pwn, uh, a uh, Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant podcast. If you would like, please leave a review, leave comments, interact, engage, all that fun stuff. Um, and I can, of course, inter integrate that into the show. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for listening. If you're a Canadian listener or otherwise, as I said at the top of the show, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed some good food and some good time off this weekend. And hopefully you are taking care of yourself. And hopefully you are well. And with that, I will sign off and say we'll catch you next week for episode 57 of One Man Watchpoint. Relief detected.